everyone, welcome to this episode of Politics 101 with David Orr. My name is Jane Ruby and I'm happy to help host this podcast for everyone. On today's episode, David will be in conversation with Board of Review Commissioner Samantha Steele. She represents the Board of Review District 2. And without, you know, further delay, let's turn it over to David. Okay, thank you very much, Jane Ruby. Uh, you know, we're grateful to have Jane helping us because Jane also is the uh, runs the League of Women Voters in Chicago, that chapter, which is uh, very important, and he's very busy. Um, so welcome, everyone. Uh, today we're going to look at the Board of Review, one of the most controversial and little understood offices in the Cook County and city government. It was once headed up by controversial Joe Berrios, who after that became uh, Cook County Assessor a few years back. Then he was defeated by Fritz Kagey in 2018 after some major investigations by the Chicago Tribune and um, an organization called ProPublica. Today, we're joined by Samantha Steele, who shocked the political world in 2022, winning an upset victory to become the only reformer. <laughs> That's my view, okay, that becoming, let's say, a reformer on the three-person Cook County Board. Uh, I want to welcome you, Samantha. Um, like I say, besides that upsetting victory, so she's now officially um, one of the members of the three-person board of review. Uh, she's had about 17 years or more of professional experience in property assessment valuations. So she didn't come on there politically. She came on there as a talented professional. And she's also an, a member of IAAO, which is the International Association of Assessing Officers, and many other good things. But we're going to keep the, that brief so we can focus on the issues. Uh, so welcome, Samantha. Thank you, David. Thank you for the introduction. Well, you, yeah, that's great. You know, we're um, very appreciative that you're willing to come on the air, not that you would hesitate. Um, but we want to focus now because you've been there for a little bit more than a year, uh, elected, like I say, in November of 22, um, took office in December of 22. So a little over a year. And so we would like to discuss how it's going, kind of highlights. And I, I'm sure there's lowlights, uh, given what I know about the office. Um, <laughs> but but before that, let, let's take a few moments, like I said, uh, when I said little understood, a lot about the whole Cook County tax process is not very clear. And I constantly run to people that don't understand what the Board of Review does or how it functions. So kind of give us a little lesson, would you please, um, about the Board of Review? So the county assessor sets value and the um, taxpayer, if they disagree with the assessor's value, they have the opportunity to appeal at the assessor level or the board of review. And so the board of review is the final um, agency for values within um, local governments. So within Cook County, um, we hear around 300,000 appeals every year. Um, which to me is, is substantial. It's a third of the county, right? If you have um, 1.6 million um, parcels and a third of them are appealing every year, there's just, it's it's unheard of in other jurisdictions. You have one to 5% appeal rate in other jurisdictions. And so Cook County is definitely its own beast in that regard. Um, let me just ask you about that quickly before we go on to the highs and lows. Um, all these appeals... Now, um, I've always assumed, and I've heard the assessor say this before, um, 
that we should be getting it right, or at least closer to right the first time. And we understand, you know, everybody, when we're talking about property, it's a complicated system. I, I used to be involved in that as county clerk. Actually, the county clerk is the one that really kind of set the tax rates. Um, and then we basically pass that on to the treasurer uh, after we got information from the assessor's office. And then we pass the specific rates on after we did the calculations to the treasurer's office and the treasurer would mail out the bills. So lots of different groups, including the one we're talking about today, particularly Board of Review, had a lot to do with it. Um, but I, you know, Cook County has a special a special way of doing many things. Uh, I say that with a little bit of a laugh. Um, but so many appeals, um, you know, I, I'd rather focus on how can we make it right so people don't feel like they have to appeal. Uh, and again, part of what you all do, Samantha and other commissioners, is you have meetings all the time, um, which some people would argue is encouraging people to appeal. Uh, you would certainly make the case it's trying to have people understand what they have to do to appeal and whether or not they need a lawyer, for example. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the idea is, is that, yes, the assessment should be accurate in the first place. But the reality is, is that Cook County hasn't had a boots on the ground inventory of what we have since 1997. And so we're talking about, you know, decades of lack of information and so the assessor is running off of best information that they have. There's multiple jurisdictions with um, permitting systems and varying different types of permitting systems. And so they're not getting that information in a timely fashion and or in an organized fashion. And on top of that, there was, you know, a lack of a software system to make, uh, to capture that data. So, you know, if they even, the assessor had that data at any point in time, there was nowhere for them to put it, but on paper forms. <clears throat> And now there, the county did sign a contract in 2016 to update the, the county's tax software system. And uh, it didn't actually go into play until um, the assessor took office in 2018 when they started working with the vendor to um, modernize the assessment practice. And so, you know, we have decades of missing data and then you have taxpayers who are being assessed and that they they deserve a right to a hearing. They deserve a right to say, hey, my property, had, I haven't had a remodel, but the neighbors did and it sold for a lot more. And that's when they come to the Board of Review. And the unfortunate thing at the Board of Review is that they don't capture that information in a meaningful manner either. Now they do have, we, we do have an updated software system um, more so than the, you know, the, the mainframe. And then I say mainframe to people. Um, this is like the old blue green screen where you would play Pong. That's the kind of software system that the county was operating on. Um, and and so just the, the administration and the management of the office is so important that the, t the taxpayer needs to feel confident in that what they're paying is their fair share. And so we do these outreaches mostly to help, you know, the disadvantaged that don't know how to file an appeal and they don't know that they don't have to look for um, comparables and provide sales comps. Um, they can just file their appeal at the board of review and my staff will do that work for them. We'll make and, sure and that their assessment is. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, Go ahead. I was just to say, and they don't need an attorney. No, right? absolutely. They don't need an attorney. And, you know, um, District 2 has the largest volume of appeals in the county, and it is it is because we are, our district is one of the, the most affluent districts in the county, and they have the resources to get an attorney. Um, not all aspects of District 2 have those resources, and that's why 
I find it in, very important to do outreaches um, in communities that don't have those resources. Um, Jefferson okay. Township, as an, a prime example, we had over 500 taxpayers at our outreach. We were able to help 500 people file an appeal in one night. So okay. the county, the county is broken up into three different board Thank review you. districts, um, and those change um, based on the census. And so District 1 essentially is the southwest side of the county. Um, that's George Cardenas's, Commissioner Cardenas's district. And District 2 goes roughly from Grant Park up north all the way to Lake County. Um, and then that's my district. And then District 3 is Commissioner Larry Rogers Jr.'s district. And that's from the south um, up to about Grant Park. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, so again, just three commissioners, uh, and remember that includes all of Cook County and all of Chicago. Um, so it's a pretty fascinating thing. Um, you're, you're starting. I'm not sure where we talked about this. We're going to talk about some highlights and lowlights. Um, there are some challenges that you faced uh, in this little more than a year. So let me, as a way of kind of getting into that, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully shed more light about how this whole process works as we go along. But let me mention um, at way of introduction, uh, which is you know, raises some dark clouds, so to speak. But remember, we're talking with an organization, the Board of Review, that has had the FBI investigating him on a number of cases and a, a more recent conviction. Uh, we've had a lot of um, not pleasant attacks from the Board of Ethics at the county, from the um, IG, the Inspector General, that is, from the county, from various news outlets, et cetera, on various issues, charging the, uh, the office with patronage charge it with, uh, you know, hiring, using relatives and so forth, um, charging them with uh, uh, having people do campaign work on company time or on the taxpayer dollar, so to speak. Um, you know, a number of things, uh, you know, one of the commissioners had to um, get rid of somebody just a few years ago for having them spend a lot of time during petition season uh, doing political work for the um, commissioner rather than doing the work for the taxpayers that get paid to do. So a number of the things, of course, none of them have ever touched uh, Samantha Steele. Congratulations, Samantha. Um, so I'm glad that. So, yeah, um, I would like to talk about that briefly. Um, it is, it's unfortunate, right? The, it, we, our office handles billions of dollars of taxpayer funds. We should have the utmost ethical office in the county. Um I, you know, when I was running for office, I uh, vowed not to accept campaign contributions um, from tax attorneys. And it's not because I think the tax attorneys are terrible. They serve a service um, to the community. But when our office, when the Board of Review requires a business to hire an attorney to represent them. So I own a company and it, it's in an LLC to protect my family if something ever happens. And if... I want to appeal my taxes. I have to hire an attorney. I can't appeal them myself. If I can't have my CFO, I don't have a CFO, but if I had, right, I, I couldn't have them file our appeal. I am forced to hire a tax attorney. And I just think forcing that um, unburdensome, like a burdensome expense onto a taxpayer is, is an, an unethical, especially when you're taking campaign contributions from them. Um, and then you're, you know, you're not, it, it, we are a quasi-judicial body. And so when you aren't recusing yourself 
from those tax um, attorneys that have contributed to to your campaign, that opens a door for for questions. And we shouldn't even be operating in an, an environment that allows people to question our integrity. Um, in my transferring into the office, District uh, 1, which is George Cardenas, had histor um, historically been uh, Dan Patlax and then Tammy Wentz's office, um, had been one of the under-budgeted um, districts at the Board of Review, had the newest staff, um, Michael Cabanargi, the former Board of, Redu um, Board of Review District 2 Commissioner, met with George Cardenas um, prior to us taking office and offered to submit uh, to send over 25 of his staff members to George's staff. So District 2 um, had 25 employees move from their district um, over to District 1. Uh, basically, uh, short staffing District 2 and underfunding District 2 by over $500,000. And in, in our district, yes, in my district, and full-time co employee compensation. Uh, and, you know, so that goes back to the hiring plan, um, how the, the office is administered, um, the OIG reports. You know, I had, um, I was versed in, in some of the OIG reports. And when I, I took office, I, I began right away uh, drafting an organization chart, um, writing job descriptions, there are, you know, four or five different job descriptions for every function in the office. And that's just those these staff members are doing so much more than what the job description even entails of them. And they're operating in positions that don't even exist by the, the county, the, the office's work chart. And so I wanted to meet the requirements of the OIG report. And I submitted it to the secretary's office in May of 2023. And it was not, I did not have a meeting to move forward on enacting that until October of 2023, well after the budgeting timeline to implement any of my suggested changes. Um, and then, you know, part of the employee hiring, I, you know, George Cardenas um, hired an individual who was now running against um, State Representative Teresa Ma. He hired her in June. Um, and, you know, there, there was 36%, roughly 36% of his staff members were collecting petitions. Um, and they were not, you know, the, 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 the work product from district one severely dropped. Um, in December, I had a county board of commissioners, um, a county board commissioner reach out to me, um, asking about an OIG report that came out in October about the board of review, not using the county um, time software system to track overtime. And so he he asked for a report on overtime. And I was alarmed that district one, you know, given the fact that they had transferred um, some of the most uh, senior staff members over to their team and that um, they were getting more compensation than my district hadn't, been working, but then they'd also had $30,000 in overtime. Whereas, you know, on my district and Commissioner Rogers, we had only $200. And so, you know, the, the same issues continue. And until there's a majority of the Board of Review Commissioners that are willing to say enough is enough and make a true difference, it's unfortunately, it's it's just going to be that way. Um, 
unless we, of course, break up the budgets of the Board of Review and we let each elected commissioner have the autonomy that they were elected to to do, there those are the only two options that I see of making a real substantial difference um, in such an important office. Well, let me flesh out a little bit. That's a very, very important things you're saying, Samantha. Um, and they, they kind of relate to each other in many ways. So on the staffing thing, okay, so again, one of the things that remember, like say, I was down there from 1990 to 2018. I never understood what the board review did. I don't know that I understand what they do today. But what I'm saying, what you're saying is that, did you have any say, you, you came into office around December of 22, right? After you elected yes, in November. The first, the first Monday in December. Right. Um, but you, know, you, you said something about staffing is that, um, how could they make a deal about, in other words, that district, again, which is, is yours, which is District 2, okay, that mm -hmm. district had a number of employees. Nothing changed except you were elected and Mr. Carbonacci wasn't, okay? Correct. So, I'm saying, so they, they took a bunch of your staff away? Can you just... They moved, they moved the staff from District 2 to District 1, leaving District 2 in a scramble to hire um, employees. Um, and now when we took office, we were already in um, an appeal cycle, an appeal <laughs> cycle that was already delayed, right? So to, uh, coming into office, I had to hit the ground, not just running, but with a staff that was educated and versed within the, the property tax system. Who did this and why? And wh why does somebody have the power? You're There's three of you that are elected with allegedly equal powers, etc. How, how again? I'm trying to understand how, how this happens. Was there a public meeting? It, no, there was no public meeting. It's a two to one, right? So I, my colleagues will say that two to one means nothing the, unless there's a public meeting, right? Well, the I think that the the statute says that the board of review, um, it is two to one vote, but that isn't for the administration of the office. That's for the adjudication of appeals, and they have taken that two to one. And they've stretched the intent of the law to meet the, their desires of how they'd like to see the office run. And mm -hmm. so if Larry doesn't, you know, Commissioner Rogers doesn't do anything about Commissioner Cardenas taking my staff, then nothing happens. It's just, you know, the staff is gone. Did they consult um, you on this? They did not. They did not. Um, you know, and so we were, we did, we reached out. I hired, um, you know, I'm very proud of the staff that we, we've put together. I have fee appraisers, um, you know, a, a certified fee appraisers on the staff. We've been able to maintain some um, staff from District 1. And we brought in um, some uh, CIAOs, um, IWO, um, Level 3 assessors, appraisers. And so, you know, I our, our staff is fantastic. Um, but just the process of what we had to go through was unnecessary and unethical. Um so, yeah, there's there's nothing I can do about it. I, I can't. Um, George and Larry appointed the same secretary uh, in in December of this year after I objected. I mean, in March of 2023, I brought in a, a data scientist um, who has worked with um, he was an intern at uh, in the assessor's office and worked with um, Professor uh, Chris Berry. Uh, he has a, a master's. And um, you know, computational mathematics. 
Um, and so I brought him on and we kept asking for access to the, our, the board review to my data as an elected official, the board of reviews data. And I was denied, um, continually denied. And then we found a workaround and um, you know, we were how can they again? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm saying, but how can they deny a commissioner access to the? You're talking about the system there, the the data yes. system. They created a IT committee within our office that is um, a weighted vote in everyone's favor except mine. Ultimately, I get one vote. Um, so yeah, they're very creative um, in their approaches to ensuring that I can't perform my function as an elected official. Um, I, I, was going, used to that. I was used to that for years with Ed Burke, but I. Wow. You know, there's the yeah, that's um, along the same vein here, right? And I was I've been used to this. I was an elected official in Indiana, um, being the only Democrat in a in a very conservative community. Um, I was I'm disappointed that my colleagues here and, you know, the two board of review commissioners would treat me with such little respect and professionalism that I've received. Uh, so during, you know, uh, my data scientist was we, we did a workaround. We were able to gain access to the raw data. And we were alarmed to see that while, um, you know, they tout on base as being this uh, state-of-the-art system and how they implemented it in 2016, it's run on the 2006 platform. It, it does not update. 2006, right. Um, right. So we're talking, you know, 17 years and the um, they haven't updated the, the algorithm that the assessor is using. You know, the assessor is... Um, but very open, had multiple meetings, um, very public about changing the way they were valuing properties. And the Board of Review hasn't adapted to that. Um, so well, that's concerning uh, as a taxpayer. And, and so we started uh, working the, a system to, to more closely match the uniformity model that the assessor has implemented. Um, I mean, we're still finding issues and we're still settling appeals, but um, it, it is closer to the uniformity model. Um, and then whenever they found out, my colleagues found out that we were, we had accessed this and that we were running the model um, using our own evidence uh, and inputting our own evidence into the OnBase system. They locked my data scientist out of our software system. They okay, locked him out that? of the, at the county enterprise system and the, our, our board of review um, OnBase system. I think we're experiencing a, a few of the lowlights at the moment, but um, let, let me just try and understand. So the people listening uh, in the context back to this is that, um, see, um, the most important decision for most people is how, how much taxes they have to pay every year and, you know, personal property mm -hmm. taxes. Okay. And part of that has to do with assessments, you know, renters pay the same thing, but they don't, they don't get to see all this information because it goes through the uh, the owners of the apartments and so forth. But given that that's so critical, okay, that all this thing we talk about if, you know, computers and whether or not they're up to date, whether or not there's clear procedures um, of how one assesses property, uh, whether or not all commissioners are treated equally, this all has a lot to do because remember, as I said earlier, the charges about the board review is a pay-to-play office, okay? And to the extent that that could be true, and I'm not 
condemning them. What I mean, I'm, I'm saying that that is what many of the newspapers and others critiques have said. But what that means is if it's pay to play, it means that some people, which has been the argument, particularly some powerful commercial interests, if they get like Trump, okay, if if Trump and he got his assessment lowered, if he got his assessment lowered uh, somewhat dramatically because it's a big office downtown, then somebody has to pay that up. Okay, remember, the, the total taxes that we all put out at some point uh, is based on commercial and residential, okay? And a number of other factors, things that people don't understand. They, the, the Cook County old school folks, the Burks and the Madigans, are very good at obscuring things, okay? Like when we talk about taxes, we have to remember we got to talk about TIFs too. Most people don't know what a TIF is, a tax increment financing district, but a tax increment financing district may take millions of dollars out of your district instead of going to the normal things, schools, city hall, county, forest preserve, et cetera, uh, that goes into a TIF fund. Without getting into that, what I'm pointing out is the biggest beef of everybody and why there's so much anger and partly why Burke went to jail and partly why Madigan, this is not, I don't think this is a big part of his char charges, but it's a big part of his, let's say, MO, okay, over the years. And that is simply, are people using this system over and over again to give the powerful breaks, which leads to enormous amount of money, uh, and then the little guy pays a difference? The little taxpayer. Well, the the average more. person, their biggest expense is their home. So right. you and me, our biggest expense is our home. Um, and I tell you, like, Ed Burke did not become a multimillionaire by being a state representative. He became a multimillionaire by running one of the most profitable property tax appeal law firms probably in the country. Oh, you said um, state rep. You mean Burke or Madigan in this case? Madigan. Yeah, Madigan was a state rep. You, you mentioned Burke. I just wanted to get that clear. Burke. Oh, Burke I thought I head. said Madigan. Okay. Um, no, okay. Madigan did not become you know, a multimillionaire by being a state rep. He became a multimillionaire by running one of the most profitable property tax appeal law firms in probably the country. And, you know, there it, it's not a coincidence that the property tax system in Cook County has been so convoluted and opaque for 40 years. Um, and it's not going to take you know, to two elected officials to fix it, we need to call on all of our elected officials to hold the tax system accountable and to make substantial changes. And those substantial changes start with, you know, implementing um, a statewide assessment manual so that we're all playing by the same rules. Um, by holding our elected officials accountable, by holding, you know, prohibiting um, individuals that adjudicate appeals from accepting contributions from attorneys um, by prohibiting our office from forcing t taxpayers, you know, and I think about this, there's a taxpayer. Um, he had a, he has a small um, little repair shop off of Foster in um, Edgewater in between mm -hmm. Edgewater, like Edgewater uptown. And he, it was an 80 year old man about, about to about lost his property. It did sell to tax sale there was a language barrier and he was forced to hire an attorney to appeal his assessment because the classification was wrong. Oh, yeah. And we couldn't I'm even, mistake. I couldn't I'm have fixed him, fixed it on my own. He, he was forced to hire 
an attorney. He should have been able to just come to our office and say, I'm classified as having a lot more square footage and I should have been able to pull it up on my computer and say, oh, actually this image does show that you do not have that image or that much square footage. And we could have saved this man $36,000. Wow. Okay. I know. That's why, that's why when you talk about a statewide manual, that's when we talk about what are the um, issues that each person uses what are the rules or set of principles that they follow? Um, you know, kind of get back to the whole computer system. Because I was saying earlier that when I was there, and again, it's been a few years, but we were working on a system for all the office, meaning treasurer, assessor, county clerk, uh, board of review, that had something to do with taxes and a whole new system, which, of course, the county was paying some good money for. And it seemed to me, if I remember it right, everybody pretty much had moved to ahead on that, except for the board of review. Uh, and right. the idea was, is that when you're dealing with complicated things, and whether it's like the clerk and assessing stuff, or the assessor making the first crack at an assessment, or you guys, I mean, the board of review, uh, taking these appeals, is that th the key to this is not whether or not somebody's connected to an Ed Burke. The key is well, whether or not- you want to talk about a connection. You know, we have an individual at the Board of Review who is one of three IT staff members who does not have a college degree, and he's managing our IT system. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. It's hard to keep up with all this. But um, anyway, so we'll just keep going. You know, I mean, the, the great thing is you have lots of suggestions. I understand, do something about it. Before we leave, something I want to mention, the overtime thing, because that's a pretty explosive too, because um, if most people don't know, because they don't see, but I've seen your annual report and the charts, is that your district, okay, and back to what we're calling District 2, has a lot more appeals than the other districts. Lots more, okay? Yes. Let me get this right. So you have a lot more, but but what you're saying to us is that you have less staff. Because even if, even if you finally got up to where you're supposed to be, okay, and this whole staffing problem that you faced, which I'm suggesting was not accidental, but you have less staff. It has nothing to do with who No, so I have, I, I currently now we have, we are at an equitable staff level. The County Board of Commissioners gave us staffing this year. Um, and, and so I was able to bring my staff up starting um, in, dis in this year. Right, um, but I, they're still not paid to the level that the previous administration was paid. Right, right. One issue is they're not paid partly because of the way they did. But I, I'm asking is that, but you just have roughly the same amount of staff as your other two colleagues, right? Yes. Okay, but I'm raising this question for efficiencies, okay, that if in fact you as a commissioner in District 2 have lots more appeals, lots more appeals than the other two commissioners. Um, so that, I mean, sure, they're expecting in some cases more than twice as much. So does that mean when I look at 2022, and this is from your own report, it, more than two, almost three times as much staff uh, as Mr. Raj, not staff, almost many, and we're not going to mm -hmm. blame anybody, I'm just saying, how does that happen? So it means your staff has to do twice as much work. Is that an efficient, yes. is that a, is that an efficient way for an uh, you know, organization to run? No, and there's so many ways that our office is, is inefficient. You know, I, I've implemented bringing um, laptops out into our appeal um, seminars to help file appeals right then and there. 
Whereas my my colleagues are still on a paper-based system where they take the paper out to the, their hearings or their outreaches and have people file those um, via paper form. And then somebody back at the office has to type that in. Um, you know, I we District 2 won an international award this year. So one of the highlights um, mm. are that we won Jurisdiction of the Year uh, Award from the International Association of Assessing Officials for implementing um, more um, technology into settling our appeals, specifically in G- utilizing GIS. Um, so our GI, I brought a GIS specialist on, mm-hmm. and um, he, in collaboration with our data scientists and some of um, the lead analysts, um, have implemented you know a, a much more efficient way of valuing property and and to seeing a bigger picture instead of just being so. Um, focused on the way things have already always been done. And so that, you know, that was quite rewarding to see that our, our efforts are being noted, not just like, not just by the people in our community, but internationally, there's an eye on Chicago and Cook County. So um, other highlights or low loads, uh, low lights, (laughs) and and, uh, we have a few more minutes left, but uh, what else do you want to tell us uh, things? Okay. One of the things that they discovered was, I guess this inappropriate overtime or allegedly maybe inappropriate. No, that was not that they did not discover that. That was through, that was through my request. Something else. Yes. But tell me again, what, what they were doing, what investigation were they doing? um, They were running the values based on, uh, well, they had discovered that the the board of review was running the values based on outdated system. Uh, Um. And so the, you know, my fellow commissioners, they reached out to the BOT, the Bureau of Technology, the county's um, chief uh-huh. information officer, uh, and and asked him if what my staff member was doing was a security risk. And he told them no, unequivocally. I have an email from him. Um, and they disregarded his advice and went ahead and locked him out anyway, because I don't know why did they not like what he was doing, but either way, their actions specifically prohibited me as an elected official from upholding my oath of office. Um, this but individual you- was processing hundreds of appeals a day and him being locked out of off of his software system was prohibiting me from fulfilling my obligation to process those appeals. Can you give me an educated opinion of why would they do that, particularly when he was investigating this concern that you just raised about, I don't know, what, a couple thousand appeals? Um, The impression I'm getting, hearing you, if this is correct, is that it was done in a way that shouldn't have been done. You know, the push-pull argument or whatever. You don't – the way it was done was wrong, and yet – You've got a staff person paid by the well. So you 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 talk about the push pull. I briefly approached that. So in December, my staff the my staff member discovered an issue um, in the software system, and that uh, over two thousand appeals had been moved from District One from George's office to um, Commissioner um, Rogers's district. Uh, And this is a direct conflict of what uh, contradiction of what the office had said to the media, to the FBI investigation about that staff member that was indicted for pulling uh, appeals to themselves. And it's just that that in itself is extremely alarming. Well, okay. Well, thank you for uh, making that a little more clear. Okay. Um, as we um, 
kind of follow up on any of this stuff. What other things are be critical? Because I'm not going to keep you too long. Um, and I guess the key here is what what do you hope comes of all this? You have you've had lots of different suggestions, even what you said today, and kind of get away from paper wherever possible, getting manuals more clear, uh, making sure there's some equity among how, how staff is determined, et cetera. Um, well, I hope that we, I mean, we need to eliminate the on-base software system, divide the board of a review budget to three separate budgets so the individually elected um, commissioners can operate their offices without um, unnecessary interference from their, their fellow um, commissioners. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we need to do an, an operational audit of the board of review. And now something like the last thing you mentioned, the audit, uh, that's something that you can't um, get done yourself because there's potential two to one vote. No, and none of these I can get done myself. This is going to have to come from the county commissioners or some state legislation changes. Okay. And are you talking to the county commissioners about this? I have been, and many of them have been receptive. Um, we've had multiple meetings. You know, they themselves have had issues with on base and their constituents not being able to file appeals because the software system crashes. Um, they have been supportive about ensuring that all of us have um, an, an equitable budget uh, this past budget cycle. So I'm hopeful and I can see that, you know, we have we have a fantastic county board of commissioners. Um, you know, I, I am a new elected, but I, I really feel like this is this board cares and they're open to listening and to improving. And have you discussed any of this that you're telling us today with um, President Preckwinkle? Um, yes, I mean, she's in the meetings as well. Oh, okay. Okay, so, well, this is a, um, again, I don't know all the things that are going on with you and right now, but knowing um, how things work in, in the county and, and to a certain extent in the city, um, is, you've got a major task ahead of you, Samantha. Um, it's been challenging. But also you're learning, you're learning, like you say, that you, you had to work arounds in ways that you didn't want to. But um, hopefully you'll be able to do some workarounds because you're first. No, and, and I, you know, I shouldn't have had to do those workarounds. Right. But because I have such a background in property valuation, I'm, I was able to know that when things were, didn't seem right, they were not right. And I, you know, I followed my, my years of experience. And I just want to briefly before we, we end, um, you know, I read the article today in the Tribune and um, the reporter, Aidy Quigg, is, I, I think she did a fantastic job. Um, the article about assessor contributes 100K to the super PAC and fight with tax appeal commissioner. Um, you know, there's a quote, um, assessor Kagey is using this young black woman as if he decides who should be elected to serve as the black community's elected commissioner. Roger's uh, statement continued. It, I was very offended by reading that. Um, but not only does he not mention that, you know, his opponent is not only is she qualified, she works in the rich township assessor's office. She goes to work every day helping taxpayers with their property assessment valuations. She's a realtor. She like they said that about me. They said that Fritz was had encouraged me to run. Women don't need men to tell them to run for office. Women don't need men to tell them they're qualified enough to serve those positions. We are qualified. She is qualified. I am qualified. We don't need other men saying we're not qualified or that we have to have somebody else make us run for office or tell the community that they should vote for us. The community should vote for us because we're qualified, period. I want you to know I'm smiling and proud of you for that. 
Um, I'm sorry. I mean, it's so frustrating. It really is. Like, there's enough. Enough is enough. Well, again, so just so people may know that I'm um, personally, you know, not um, a good government. Illinois does not endorse people. I personally uh, make choices, which is a little different. Um, and I, I happen to think this woman we're talking about, Larisha Tucker, um, would be great because uh, what, what excites me about this possibility is that if, in fact, there was two of you, number one, not taking money from the attorneys of practice with you, uh, et cetera, and supporting some of these issues on uh, how to make things more efficient and more transparent and more upfront, um, you know, I, I think there's amazing things that, that you and others could do to dramatically improve things. So I think that that's all great. Um, and of course, so people understand what we're talking about is that um, except when there's a redistricting every 10 years uh, and that at that point, all three commissioners have to run at the same time. But otherwise, you run every two years somebody runs. So in this particular mm. case, there's only one of the three commissioners uh, races that's up right now. And that's the one where this woman named Larisha Tucker is running against uh, the longest serving person on the board by far right now is, is Larry Rogers Jr., um, who has had an ongoing fight, let's say, that with Fritz Kagey over and over again. I think he, he tries to blame Fritz for everything. Um, but anyway, so that's, that, that's one of the many political sides that are going on as you try and make uh, objective reforms in this office. And I salute you for that. Uh, do you have any final words that you want to tell us about or any other initiatives that we should know about? Oh, um, so, I mean, I, there's so much more. This office is, you know, there's a lot and it's a lot into the weeds. Um, we are, we're working on just everything from educating the staff um, to improving the quality of, of communication. So I um, just wanted to thank you for, for inviting me on. Um, I'm, you know, longtime listener, fan. Uh, so it's nice to be back on here. Well, there's plenty more. And again, this is, a, is an office that people, you know, want to pay attention to because we think um, improving this office and, you know, we want to improve any office that needs it, but particularly ones that have some of these allegations out there. But certainly we'd love to have you come back. Um, keep up the good work. Um, and I hope that, uh, yeah, again, you're you're a tough woman here and don't let those guys beat <laughs> you up too much. Oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Samantha. And thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane, too. And for good government, <laughs> uh, again, uh, if you need information about how to follow us, you could look at Spotify, you can look at Apple. Um, you can get all you need to know by looking at those resources if you want to uh, uh, see this, of course, podcast or any of the other ones that we've done um, for the last couple of years. On that note, this concludes this episode of Good Government Illinois. My name is Jane, and I'm glad everyone could join us here to listen to this. Um, I will also like to remind you that you can find this episode and other episodes of the Good Government Illinois podcast, Politics 101 with David Orr, on rss.com, Spotify, and now we are also on Apple Podcasts. So please tune in for, you know, past episodes and any episodes that are coming up.